What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 14. Raj Takechandani. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Raj, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. So we're here to help you uh, crush your goals in real estate and uh, learning more from all these different people that we always have coming on. So, uh, Jimmy, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, so uh, fun. So uh, Raj has a great background, um, but we both share the fact that we're corporate dropouts. So Raj had a little bit more <laughs> exciting time on the entrepreneurial world than I did in corporate finance, but um, he's been able to build a tremendous portfolio. So. Raj, we'd, we'd love for you to dive in and talk about how you got started in real estate and what interested you in real estate to begin with. Uh, all right. So like you briefly alluded to, I have been a technology entrepreneur most of my life. Uh, did a corporate stint here and there, but never enjoyed that. Came back, that. came back to the little you know startup world. Um, some were more you know further along than the ones that I started. So I joined them or you know, became partners. Um, awesome. uh, did that for, pretty, like I said, all my life till about, uh, not till about, but in about 2012, uh, or so I was enticed by a friend of mine who was into real estate, um, and he was buying some properties down in Orlando, Florida. Okay. And I went down with him one day to, you know, take a look and uh, Orlando was pretty beat down in those days. You know, there was like a bunch of bankruptcies and foreclosures and, there was buildings being sold for you know really you know ten cents on a dollar pretty much. Wow! Um, so your so your first investment essentially was out of state. Out of state, yeah, Orlando, Florida, a, 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 a condo that I picked up for thirty four thousand five hundred dollars. That's incredible. And and where are you located out of? I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, so that's a I mean that's a pretty big leap, right? I mean a yeah. lot of people kind of struggle <laughs> buying of, something locally. Leap of, leap of faith, yeah. That's awesome. And That's great. The stuff. only saving grace was that my friend had you know, already bought one there and had a property manager that was taking care of his um, condo or two or whatever he was at the time. Gave me some kind of, you know, relief to say, okay, you know, if, if I can just come up with the cash and, you know, things may, may work out. And anyway, my cash was sitting in CDs making a grand total of, you know, 0.75% or whatever that was. <laughs> right, right. And I said, okay, well, you know what? this is not a big investment let me let me let me do this yep and lo and behold after a few months i see after all the expenses and everything paid off and the property management hoa fees paid off i'm still you know coming out a uh, hundred couple of hundred bucks over you know what um, uh, from the condo i was like this is not a bad thing right which is which and, is the target so i'm going to pause you there for a second but i think a lot of people have a false sense of how much money they're going to aim to make net at the end of every month and and most successful investors are going to aim to make you know that 100 to 200 dollars per door per month exactly. yeah exactly people strive for 100 bucks a door and that's like you know this is this is not bad right and right. Uh, you know with with absolutely zero uh of my you know effort right yeah I right was, you know find a good property and and a property manager and she did the most so that that that's how I got started, and you know, over the years, I got enticed into buying more because the I saw the prices were rising up. So next time when I contacted the broker, he said, "Well, that one bedroom condo that you got is now forty thousand dollars, but I have one. Do you want to buy it?" 
I said, okay, so I bought my second one for a similar price. Then I invested in two bedrooms and three bedrooms. All along, I bought about nine condos in Florida in the same apartment complex, still managed by the same property manager and doing very well. Awesome. So you went from being a programmer to uh, picking up about nine condos. Awesome. Quick yeah. question for you on that. Did you end up financing any of those condos? No, these were all cash deals. Gotcha, gotcha. So like I said, I mean, I had to come up with some kind of cash in, in that, at that time, like I said, whatever I had. And then once I got the flavor of it, I said, okay, I'm going to move some cash around, uh, liquidate some things and invest here because this, this seems like a good thing. And I already saw the prices going up. And by the way, that $34,000 condo is now goes for around $90,000 there because prices are coming back up. That's tremendous. So not only are you earning the cash flow every month, but now you've seen the capital appreciation as well. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, touch wood, all good there. But again, all along, you know, I, I figured out that, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, having one multifamily, which, you know, all these units can be managed together. And that's, I started reading more about multifamily and how easy they were to manage. Because I was going to look at, you know, other single families around Orlando uh, spread out. And I, I took a pause and said, you know, maybe multifamily is the thing. Yep. And couldn't find a multifamily in Orlando, but lo and behold, in 2016, was, you know, so by the time I now know about a thing called LoopNet, I, you know, just poking around LoopNet, found a deal right down the road from where I live. So uh, it's a neighboring town, which is, you know, upcoming town. It's not, it's. It's not as affluent as the town that we live in, but uh, it's it's. I can see the prospects of you know gentrification there, and I said there's not too far. I can always you know it's right off the highway. I have known this town is not the best town, but this part of the town is, is sort of safe and you know uh, like every town has good and bad parts. Absolutely. This was uh, because it was a neighboring uh, on the neighboring street. It was it was a better place to be. So you bought something right on the fringe in order to get a better deal, essentially. Yes, yes, it's right Great on the strategy. fringe. And looked at the looked at uh, the rents. Um, you know, I, I knew the rents compared. The only thing I knew was to compare rents, and I looked at you know a couple of websites to see how rents were doing, and their rents were lower than the expected. Got it. So I, I jumped. I took another leap of faith into the you know world of multifamily, knowing a little more than what I knew. You know, buying my first condo. So along the way, I know that you have a technology background. What mm -hmm. types of technology are you leveraging maybe to scrub deals, figure out where rents could be? Are there right. any specific technologies that helped you out in the beginning and this through that process? Beginning. Yeah, the yeah. beginning. In the beginning, you know, I, I, I was, so in my day, day job, I was, you know, a product, you know, marketeer for a, a big data analytics company. So we, okay. our customers are large pharmaceutical and our product is a product that you know takes lots of lots of data and makes sense out of it, allowing business managers to make decisions based on data, not just pure gut feel. And I, I saw that you know that real estate could use something like that or has something like that. So I you know I started exploring those things, and lo and behold, I found some tools that were already doing you know the analysis. Uh, and other you know rent comps and all that stuff and their you know data sources um, multiple data sources that you can look at in in analyzing markets analyzing properties and that got me interested in looking at real estate as a full-time uh, effort got it uh, and by this time so now it's 2018 i have been you know uh, holding on to my nine condos and one multifamily property 
here in Massachusetts. And I look at my startup. I've spent five years there, so all my options are fully vested. And the, the upside was limited on that startup. And, and, and the, like, it's you no know, probably startup salaries are not that great. Yeah, and yeah. I, I thought maybe if I can, you know, take another leap of faith. And, <laughs> and now that I'm a little more educated on multifamily and uh, other data tools and doing a little more analysis uh, and do this full time. And if I can buy another 15 unit or 20 unit property in Massachusetts, I should be able to basically cover my, you know, um, the passive income should at least match my startup salary. And fortunately, right. with my spouse having a great, you know, full time executive job, uh, everything else is taken care of in terms of, you know, healthcare, And uh, so the risk was there, but uh, not not a significant risk. Uh, that I, I don't say this is a, you know, this is a story for everybody to follow, but it just it was it was timing right time for me and i uh, quit the w2 to do this full time that's so awesome. i want to i want to pause them right there um so when we think about the condos when we think about this 12 unit in massachusetts mm-hmm. um so taking action is one of the key things that we're talking about here and at the same point these deals like the 12 unit now would you say that was a home run oh no not at all no i know it wasn't so yeah. why don't you go into that a little bit just uh so Why the purchase and everything. The twelve unit deal again. I'm still in my education journey, and I'm not, you know, uh, still dabbling on, you know. So if if a building is hundred percent occupied, is and the rents are, you know, below market, is what I jumped on. Little did I know that, you know, the expenses could be hidden. Um, the rents, the you could have a. 100% occupancy, but that's just physical occupancy. There is something called the economic occupancy, which means the the people living there in your place are not really paying you. They are just living there. Yeah. And they pay, you know, once in a while. And if they're not being managed properly, there were a bunch of expenses that were not on the, you know, T12s that I found out later, the snow plowing expenses, the, you know, pest control expenses, the, you know, bunch of other security expenses are not there. So, it was a shocker to me when you know when the expenses started stacking up, uh, and the rents were not coming as I was expecting. You know, um, somebody's paying on the first, somebody's paying on the fifteenth, somebody's paying on the twenty seventh, somebody's paying for the last two months of unpaid rent, and somebody is not paying at all. Um, so that was a that was a big learning curve, and I was like scrambling, uh, and to, I'm looking for now a property manager that can get on top of it. Uh, managed to find another property manager that was quite, you know, came with good references, but he, he lived far enough and still couldn't manage the property well. So I took, you know, I took a little beating on that property early on, um, and now in the process of stabilizing it with another property management company. Awesome. I just think it's key to help people understand that when you buy a property, it's not going to be super perfect. You're not always looking for that perfect deal. You know what I mean? No, but like for me, it was very important to take the action. I could have, you know, sat and done analysis all day long and I would have never bought even the first condo if I had not, you know, just taken action or this multi-unit property or, or the properties that I, you know, own now as general partners in other syndicates. It's 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 very important to be have the education so you know what you're getting into, um, but you you have to take action is is the bottom line at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's a big quote and I think I dropped it on the last last episode of our podcast. But it's like Gary V talks about ideas are shit and execution's the game. 
Like you just got to go out there and execute. Exactly. And spend spend all all day analyzing, getting stuck on certain things, but you know, price enough risk, and then just go yeah. out and execute. That's that's, and that's a big takeaway. And, and surround yourself with people that you can trust and people who know their game and, and network with people so that you can reach out for help at any point. And that's why you know we went and found a, sort of a coach and a mentor. I did. Uh, okay. Great, and I also found within that group, you know, some people that I can now trust with any any kind of you know detailed uh, questions that I can ask. That's huge. Um, are you willing to share any of the details of like your approach in terms of finding the right mentor? Because there are a ton of resources out there. Yeah. So I mean, I obviously this is the time. Now it's twenty. I forget the year. No, twenty seventeen. I believe it was. I mean, I'm on bigger pockets. You know, looking for you know guidance of you know what to do now that i own a multi-family property um all the expenses that are kicking in how does multi-family work what is is it, it was a big it, it was it was very different learning curve for me and you know somewhere down the line i found uh, you know uh, charles dobbins group uh, very well you know talked about in reviews and charles dobbins happens to be a local guy from here and very accessible so i met him uh, in his you know, one-day workshop that he does uh, here in the Babson College in Boston area. Yep. And met him, you know, saw the feedback uh, from the attendees and past members, and I, I, again, just decided to join that group. That's awesome. What I like talking about here is that uh, three-legged stool approach I always talk about. You had some money going on, especially with the passive income you were able to survive. Mm-hmm. You, have, you had time because you had just... Uh, uh, left your technology job mm-hmm. and you're out there getting education you already had some education you're building more and then the last thing the additional thing is like to see is that networking part too right right you had everything going for you on it that's awesome yep. so you go from condos to your 12 unit how do you get to 500 <laughs> so as i said i i um as I was looking for more, uh, actually, it's a 12 plus 3. It's, you know, three storage units. So I, sometimes I call it 12, sometimes I call it 15. Oh, 15. Yeah, storage yeah. units produce income. I call that 15 all day. I heard Frank say 12, so. No, no, they're, they're 12 residential and three storage. Perfect. But I have got 15 leases going on, so that's why. Anyway, um, so I, I set out to basically look for another one of those, like, 25, you know, unit deals. And I could not find, now that I know the, you know, the spreadsheets and the math a little better, uh, I could not find anything that would make sense uh, with the right amount of expenses and the right amount of, you know, uh, economic occupancy. Uh, nothing made sense here in the Massachusetts. And in the interim, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, before that, I had a friend who was doing a large syndication deal down in Georgia and had approached me for investing passively. Uh, he said $50,000, it's a 300 or 200 something unit, you know, beautiful apartment in Georgia. I said, Georgia, really? And <laughs> such a large, and, and, and there were a lot many more zeros in the calculations than I had, you know, dealt with. Absolutely. I said, I, uh, this is, I'm not very comfortable. I don't know what the LP, GP and, you know, preferred all those things, nothing. I didn't know what those things were. And I said, no, I, I don't want to invest right now. He says, you know, that, oh, that's fine. So when I was not able to find another property in Massachusetts, I went back to that same sponsor and asked if, 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 and all, by the way, alongside continuing, one thing I've done in every part of the way is, you know, keep learning. And I still 
Definitely. I try to learn on a daily basis, you know, something or the other always comes up and something that I'm not very familiar with. So that I still very, every time I, you know, go work out, I listen to some podcast. I don't listen to anything else. It's just mostly podcast and if, uh, reading on blogs and listening to, you know, other people. Um, so continue my journey alongside with education. So in syndication, you know, so now that I know what I know, I went back to the, uh, the sponsor and said, well, looks like I'm, uh, why don't you show me what you have as in your deal package and let me look. And at that time, there was a new deal going on. I said, okay, it looks good to me and I'm going to invest passively. Um, so that was my first foray into investing uh, in a syndicate. This was late last year. And as I did that, I felt, you know what? I mean, I have left my job. I, I can do more. I can get more involved. I Now I know how the syndications work. I know what the GPs do. Maybe I can add value um, more than just investing passively. So I, I and like I said, the education, I learned more on the due diligence aspects of it and technical analysis of part of it. And using my, you know, knowledge on the data sources, I could analyze the deal better, you know, not better than, but at a good pace than the other sponsors are doing. So got involved in the next deal early on, Did went down for a due diligence trip, uh, did the all models myself and, you know, made the pitch presentations to, you know, my friends and families. And I said, you know, I want to get involved in this as a manager. Um, what do you think? And that's how I got started. I, you know, I started early on becoming a, a, a not a key principal in terms of signing on the loan, but early uh, as a key active member of the general partnership team, that's getting awesome. involved more and in, in, you know, investor relationships and all that good stuff. That was a 151 unit uh, property down in Georgia, again in Georgia. That's that phenomenal. Was, yeah. And uh, so. Along the way, as that was chugging along, uh, opportunity came within our mastermind group. Uh, a couple of partners had found a deal, and they were looking for other partners to come in and you know help out on other aspects of you know general partnership, like uh, you know more due diligence, you know more doing more modeling and some marketing stuff that I've been you know. So my last tech job was mostly marketing. So you know, okay. pitch, you know, making the pitch, you know, investor presentations. So I got involved again in you know due diligence and investor presentations for this new deal that was a 225 unit deal in you know Amarillo Texas okay and that's how I grew from 151 to add 225 to that portfolio that's tremendous so I think you're selling yourself short here yes you are good at marketing but I think one of the major things that you bring to the table is all this technology mm -hmm. you know? don't yeah. you have a lot of um, I mean your brand is smart capital Yes. So, so maybe you can go into that a little more. I mean, oh, what yeah, technology so, yeah, are you using yeah. for technology analysis? Is a, technology is a big thing of it, right? I mean, um, so what people spend hours in doing analysis, right? There are I, I found technology tools that can do that in minutes, right? And then you can save time to do other stuff. So stumbled upon some, you know. Um, so, yeah, so somewhere in there when I left my W-2, I was very interested in, you know, what is the technology trends going on in the industry, real estate industry? So I met up with a woman from MIT. She had published a paper that was like, you know, uh, you know, I was like, this is what exactly I want to do. But then she told me that you don't have to build anything like that. There is already tools. These are the people building it. Uh, and her research on thesis was all on that. 
machine learning, artificial intelligence in in real estate, uh, you know, arena. So I got all excited. I, you know, called a bunch of people. Hey, guys, what are you doing in this technology? And they, you know, talked to the CEO or the founders of those companies. Uh, one of those companies was, uh, you know, Inodo, uh, E-N-O-D-O. And I, I talked to the founder and said, this is, you know, this is great. Tell me more. And he, you know, showed us the demo. Uh, it was amazing. It's basically, you know, doing all of your analysis that is done on Excel spreadsheets uh, using this tool. And you don't even have to enter line items. You can just submit a PDF to this, you know, platform, and the platform, the software reads the PDF uh, and inputs that into its, you know, algorithms and comes out with a spreadsheet that it has all the numbers and it'll point out the missing line items. Like, if I had put it the spreadsheet that I had from the 15 unit, it would have shown red flags all over. So this software does that for you, saying that hey, if you are a C-class property. In this kind of neighborhood, 30% expenses absolutely does not make sense. A big red flag yeah. about what you can do. Absolutely. Either so, that or you found a unicorn, but no, we'll agree. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's, it's a general term that, you know, if your debt coverage ratio is this, there's a red flag. There is, if the you know, expense ratio is this, that's a red flag. If the returns on this thing is a red flag, if the rent bumps are too high, then it's a red flag. So all your projections are basically uh, monitored by software programs that has collected data over the years, uh, and it's gotten smarter uh, in, in in analyzing these deals. So you can put in a zip code, you know, somewhere in Georgia, and it'll tell you uh, for that zip code, you know, what should be the per square feet rent based on the comparables that other people are, you know, paying in that neighborhood on the same class of property. Got it. Got it. So when you say use this for underwriting, are you using this upfront to help you attract investors or are you also using it to help you go out and get bank financing potentially? I think, no, it's to attract investors. So Paul, first of all, you know, convince myself that this is the right deal and then uh, make sure that the right partners are there and then convince my investors as well that I have not only this has been underwritten by, you know, somebody who's worked in the industry for a long time, you know, uh, as asset managers, but I've also used these technology tools, and this is the results that we've seen, and these are the projections. So make it absolutely transparent to the investors of how we came with up, uh, the underwriting uh, using technology. That's huge. And I think one of the one of the points you you move through quickly, but I like to circle back on is selling yourself, right? So um, I like to joke with my my real estate partner. I drive a Jeep Wrangler. I'm like, if I ever went to a Jeep dealership and you know, the sales guy was driving a Prius. Like, does he really believe in the brand? Mm -hmm. Am I buying the right vehicle? And it's kind of like the same thing that you're touching on here, right? In the sense of you get to sell yourself on the deal. And then when you believe in it, it's going to sell itself because you believe in it and you're, and you're investing in it as well. Exactly. And so when I went out to, you know, create my website, I showed it to one of my partners and she said, Raj, what are you talking technology? This is, this is a real estate business. But I said, you know what? I, I can't I can't just put it as a real estate business because this is what I this is what differentiates me from every other you know person who's doing it because I like to leverage technology I like to you know mention tools and I, I want to be at the forefront just for my own interest and for the interest of whoever wants to work with me to say that you know this is not just you know Excel spreadsheets or just looking at some numbers uh, it's 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 art but it's also a science. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. So in the property management business that I own, I'm constantly looking for new technology. If we have a headache, like how can I find a piece of t technology in order yes. to cure that headache? Exactly. Um, 
So I learned that when I actually worked for a financial and company. These, these technologies and the companies that, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, for now, they are going to make projections based on. So if you put in vinyl flooring or if you put in black appliances in a certain zip code, right? Yep. They will tell you that how much rent bumps you can expect based on that, just that addition in a few Which years. Incredible. Because, because they have traced that in other properties around you that a black appliance in this neighborhood will, you know, give you a 25 or 10 bucks of rent bump, whatever it is. Incredible. What I, what I love about Raj's deals is the fact that he analyzes it so many different ways. And more importantly, since he feels so good about it, if he's investing his own money, that does, I mean, you have to analyze yourself anyway, but it makes you feel better when you know that he's put up his own money into the deal too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's become like a cliche, cliche almost on my every podcast or I even talk to that. The very first investor in all my deals is the same person. That's me. Yeah, it's got you know it's got to be. But I bet that helps you raise capital more quickly for these deals too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the uh, that 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 definitely helps. No question about it. Then you know, I I talk about the 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 way we analyze deals, and then I talk about the partners that I worked with and the trust factor. It's all it's a trust game at the end of the day. Yep, most definitely. So, Raj, what are the key factors that you're looking for when choosing a market right now, especially with all the AI you have going on, all the uh, technology? What are the key factors you're looking at? So, yeah, we look at, uh, again, um, we we do a lot of market analysis based on technology as well, right? So we are looking at data coming out of, you know, uh, different data sources, census.gov and downlocator.com or even data that does have tracks school systems, data that tracks crime rates and data that tracks, you know, median incomes. So we take all that data together and want to, you know, blend it. There is no silver bullet out there that I say, okay, these are my criteria, just, hey, press the button and out comes the answer. But it's getting there, it, it, it will get there. And we'll push, as technologists, we'll push the, you know, boundaries to get there. That, you know, we want a property that is in this certain zip code and this this minimum, this kind of population and the growth of the population is this and the medium income, minimal medium income is this. The crime rate is certainly improving. The school districts are good. So all that data combined, you know, uh, helps us analyze markets to build properties. And then the, and this is all before we get into the financials. Do you think that... Um that you have an advantage compared to, are a lot of the other syndicators doing the same stuff or do you think you have like an advantage by doing this? Or is everybody doing it so you're just, you're just trying to keep up? I'm not sure everybody's doing it. I mean, people are, there are clearly some syndicators who, you know, are doing it and they talk about it. And there are some syndicators who want to do that and just don't know how to. But I think every syndicator should be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Hi, right, Jimmy. Let's ask our main two questions that we ask everybody. Yeah, roll with it. So, so the first one is, uh, what is one thing you would recommend uh, to make a newer investor better? What is one thing you'd recommend they be doing right now? That's Without a doubt, that would be education, man. That is, there is no substitute to learning more and learning every day. I'm still doing it you know, after so many years, but there is no substitute to that. Absolutely. I give you 100%. Yeah. I have a background in education. I'm still learning and reading every single oh, day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So next one, uh, what is one book that you'd recommend right now? Um, so 
the book that I recommend right now, because I'm in very much into syndication now, is the book by Joe Fairless on the syndication book by Joe Fairless. Okay. Um, but if somebody is absolutely new to you know real estate and passive income, then the Great Rich Dad Poor Dad book is always there. But if you're focused on syndication and passive investments through syndication, which is my area right now, Joe Fairless has written a great book. I agree with both those recommendations too. I've read them both. Awesome. So to our listeners, we hope that you guys enjoyed the Cashflow Kings podcast. In between podcasts, feel free to check us out on Instagram or on Facebook under The Cashflow Kings, or check us out on our website at www.cashflowkings.com. Cheers to your success. So a little disclaimer here at the end. Uh, the Cashflow Kings podcast is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own financial advisors prior to making any financial decisions.